trigger warning. This podcast discusses themes centered around emotional, physical, and sexual violence. While the stories of the survivors are meant to be inspiring and informative, listener discretion is advised. If you are struggling with any of the aforementioned issues, links to resources can be found in the show notes of today's episode. You know, so many of these individuals are cheaters and they're dishonest in so many different ways. My ex-husband, his mistress was finances and taking out unbelievable loans. And um, we lived this extravagant lifestyle that made me incredibly uncomfortable because that wasn't what I was accustomed to. But I was constantly dismissed by don't question things. You know, you grew up, he would tell me you're white trash. You grew up white trash. You grew up in a trailer. Don't you have no authority to question me. And so I was shut out from all of the finances until our world crumbled. Hi, survivors. I'm Tara Newell. And I'm Collier Landry, and this is the Survivor Squad Podcast. Yay, another episode. Another episode, and a first of many conventions are in the history books, right, Tara? Yes, they're in the history books, Collier. <laughs> True Crime and Paranormal Podcast Festival in Austin. It was fantastic. So much fun. I just had a blast meeting everyone, meeting so many different creators, and then I met so many people that met diva deb before and had them on their podcast so i was ecstatic to see that because it just is funny when my mom's on something and i never met that person before because usually i'm the first one on that because i'm just in the world i'm in it collier you're in it uh -huh. diva deb and we sold diva deb's books yes i sold three of them we sold some t-shirts. We gave out some stickers. We had amazing stickers and banners created by yours truly. Oh, yeah. And Marisol was on the banner, too. And Marisol mm -hmm. is on the banner. I was quite proud of myself. I was proud of you, too. And then we had little stickers of Marisol and then our Survivor Squad stickers, too. And then you could scan those and just like order the t-shirt right from the app, which is really cool, which we have a lot of cool t-shirts right now, I think. Yes, we do. And we have a lot of cool things in the store. For a first time of having like a booth at a convention, which I've not for any of these types of conventions have ever had. I, I don't think I've ever had a booth at a convention. Have you? I don't think so. No. No, I haven't. This is crazy. I haven't. No. Yeah, I mean, oh, you know what? I guess I have, but I've had like an interview spot where we had a backdrop and we were interviewing people and it was a live video thing. This would be the first time where I actually was selling merchandise and giving out stickers. Yes. So if you guys are coming to CrimeCom, be sure to visit us there. We'll have books being signed. We'll have t-shirts. And then if you guys don't want to travel with the t-shirts, you guys can order right from the sticker. Right from the sticker, right from the booth with QR codes. We figured out, oh, we, and we're going to be doing live, um, live podcasting at the actual CrimeCon show. So that will be really cool. Check it out. We'll be there September 22nd to the 24th. And we got to meet so many creators and so many guests that we had on our program. We got to meet, obviously, last week's guest, John Palmer, and the episode about his wife, Katie Palmer, which was really, you know, we had a big hug and a big, you know, teary-eyed moment, which was which was great. Um, he was there sharing his story. We got to meet Julie Murray, Maura Murray's sister, obviously Lainey, who, run, who ran the festival. Je uh, Justin from Generation Y was there, and we'll see him at CrimeCon, which will be great. And who else, were there? who else were the highlights? You got to play with a stun gun thing, right? A zapper? Oh, it was a stun gun, not a... 
what's it might call it? A, a zapper? A taser. A you taser? said a taser earlier. I said a taser. Yeah, it's a stun gun. Yes, a stun gun. Got it. Well, that's what it is. I want to. I want to make, make note that I was not shot by the stun gun. So, but I I whacked myself in the face with the ball on the first day in the gym. Oh my gosh! The bouncy ball. I thought I broke my nose and my teeth, which was that was super fun. That was a great way. Welcome to Austin after being up for twenty four hours straight, almost thirty six hours. Smash myself at the gym. That was funny though. Well, and then you came back and you act like someone punched you in the face, and I was like, "Wait, you got in a fight with someone? What?" Oh my gosh! I only get in fights with inanimate objects that somehow are able to strike me back. It was funny. Well, this week we have our guest Tina Swithin. Yes, Tina Swithin is one mom's battle on Instagram and TikTok, and she is fighting for justice for her daughters because she married a narcissist, not knowing she married a narcissist. And unfortunately, he wanted to take her kids from her. And I think, unfortunately, she's still ongoing with this battle. During the time of the interview, he left her alone, but I think he came back to stir some stuff up. So please send her support. Also, she has amazing programs, so I think a lot of people are going to resonate with this episode, especially if they're in the legal battle system with a narcissist. Yes, she and she was interviewed by our good friend, Dr. Romani, and several others who have podcasts. But what do you say we get into Tina's story? Yes, let's get into it. Right. And, you know, in my situation, I wouldn't hold him accountable for child support because I knew that when I pushed that button to try to, you know, rightfully, my kids had every right to be supported by him. And and there were times where he's living in a $7 million mansion in San Francisco, literally a $7 million mansion, and I'm going to food pantries to feed my kids and can't even afford to get breaks from my used car because he has destroyed me. But even in those moments, I knew that if I tried to push that button, that financial button and hold him accountable, that he would push my biggest button, which was my daughter's, and he would retaliate and they would be the ones to bear the brunt of the abuse. And so it got to a point where I'm like, I would rather eat from food pantries from the rest of my life then hold him accountable. And so I purposely, there was strategy involved with that. Once I really started sitting in the courtroom, understanding the system, studying other cases, and, and just really plopping myself. I remember the judge would say to me, Swithin, what are you doing here today? You're not on calendar. I'm like, I'm just here to observe, Your Honor. Like I, Because I just needed to understand what I was up against and how to navigate this because there is no rule book. And um, really learning that that's a common thread. That financial button is their biggest button when you're dealing with a narcissist or a sociopath or whatever it is. And so I stayed away from it to the point where that became my leverage. His arrears balance grew to over $100,000 and people thought I was crazy for not going after him. He's out 
paying, you know, cash for brand new luxury cars. And I'm like, it's okay. Like I'm, I'm good over here. But that $100,000 ended up being the leverage I needed to get him to terminate his parental rights and um, secure peace for my daughters. And um, peace is priceless, as you both know. He chose the money over his daughters? Absolutely. Oh, you know, it's my husband kind of, you know, (laughs) there was a situation at the end where we found he owned this insane Jeep that was like huge, hired, crazy concoction machine thing that was just bizarre. And so we went after it trying to say we have all this arrears balance. We were in the point of trying to terminate rights. And, And my husband, Glenn, will say if he fought for the girls the way he fought for that Jeep, he would probably still have custody. It was just the most, um, it's disturbing to look back at, but it was all about money. It was all about control. And he knew that finances and the girls were the way to, to control me and to hurt me. So that became very much his game and narrative. It's just interesting because a car is just something material where like, a kid is an actual prodigy or like an extension of yourself. Like that's your genes. Like I just don't understand that. But to a narcissist, sociopath, psychopath, I guess that's what they want is the money, the the looks, the fame, the grandiosity of it. Right. And, and the image. I mean, I'm almost, I'm almost stunned. I mean, I'm I'm stunned, but I'm also very grateful. <laughs> like, how way to boil that down into the most simplest of terms? Like a Jeep, <laughs> okay, a tricked out Jeep that's a hundred grand or whatever. Yeah, a Jeep, uh, and it was this just horrific thing. I don't even. I I still I see Jeeps. I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> I don't ever want to see a Jeep <laughs> in my life. Um, <laughs> But yeah, you know, they don't have the ability to connect or bond with a child. You know, they only see kids as possessions and extensions of themselves. And for image purposes, you know, my entire custody battle was driven by his mom. If his mom had not been in the picture and didn't need to portray this family image and have Instagram photos of my daughters, um, he would have disappeared long before he actually did. It was very much the family image in the community, which now with his brother being the biggest pedophile in the history of our county, you know, they that's all unraveled um, their own doing. But, you know, his mom, you know, I her her handwriting was literally the handwriting on the documents I would be served. She was um, an enabling mom driving this entire thing. I think she's sicker than he is because she at least has the ability to connect with reality where he's just so in his own delusions and um, the world that he's created that she is actually more dangerous than her sons in a lot of ways. She enabled them for their monstrous behavior. The brother-in-law, yeah. what what did he do for a living? He was a contractor construction. And so some of his uh, victims were actually clients that he had put cameras in their houses. And um, 
it's it's pretty deep and it's pretty extensive that we know of there are at least 30 child victims um and some of them remain unidentified to this day um kids that we know have experienced horrific abuse but they haven't been found so he was he was going into homes he was he's a finished carpenter or was and owned a a construction business in our county and he would use that to plant these i mean it's always very staggering to me to find out that the lengths that these people will go to exploit their nefarious endeavors and you know i I just remember when i was first talking to tara on a podcast and she and she was telling me like oh you can get trackers on you know john would put trackers <laughs> on our vehicles you can get those on amazon i'm like what well you get a vehicle track i'm you know i'm yeah. just so naive sometimes with some of these things i suppose well it's also illegal to track people just to let you guys know out there it's illegal to track people we did it because right. our lives were in danger so if your life's in danger maybe consider it but it's yeah. illegal otherwise don't do it <laughs> No, and I have so many moms who will come to me and say, like, I am more, you know, I feel like that my ex knows conversations I'm having. I'm like, have everything checked. You have no idea how the links that these people will go to things that I mean, I can't even figure out how to use my phone half the time. Yet these people have trackers on vehicles, listening devices in cars, um, cameras on their shoes. There's apps to like hack into stuff too, because that's how John was able to do it for so many things. And then he was able to check like the Tesla app and see where the car was. And then it was like he cl- hacked the iCloud. Why, like we had to change our iCloud stuff to ridiculous things. We we're like, mine was like Princess JoJo. <laughs> I like because of the bachelor and stuff you have to change everything and it's like you have to keep on top of it right well and I just had a a pretty horrible experience with a um somebody in my survivor community her ex-husband um who we believe scanned in my driver's or my license plate and now there is something with transunion where license plate scanners they can then track where you're at through certain databases because we don't have legislation yet to stop this from happening. So all city vehicles, at least here in California, have license plate readers. So if somebody is working with a PI who has this capacity, they can get a log or a printout at the end of the day of everywhere your car registered in a scanner, which is terrifying. You know, the, there's just so many different avenues for these types of people to terrorize. It's very much, I always say, when the day I received my family court case number, I also received my own personal terrorist. And that's how I feel to this day. What I was going to ask is, you had said that the day your marriage was over was when you were with the therapist and he said, I think we need to have a psychoanalysis. Did your husband at that time, did he did he decide to end the relationship? Or was that when you were like, I'm done? And then you end the relationship? Because often with narcissists, it's your, when you end the relationship, that's when they get angry. Mover Nation, you guys all know how I lead a really busy life, right? And I know we could all use 
a little more relaxation. Now, whether you're trying to chill out or just need a good night's rest, Next Evo's CBD will be your best friend. But, and this is big, not all CBD products are created equal. Shockingly, a study found that many CBD brands contain as little as 60% of what their labels promise. I've been trying out Next Evo Naturals and Movers. It's the real deal. And their commitment? Well, it's giving you exactly what's on the label. Remember, they've undergone four clinical trials, a feat unmatched by any other brand of CBD. Now, I personally adore their Stress CBD Complex Gummies. When I'm feeling anxious or overwhelmed, they are a total game changer. And those nights when sleep is all too elusive for me, the triple action CBD sleep does absolute wonders. Leave summer stress behind and upgrade your CBD. Go to nextevo.com forward slash MPT to get 25% off plus a free bottle of premium pure CBD, a $50 value limit one use per customer. That's nextevo.com slash MPT. So the day we went to that final marriage therapy session, we arrived in separate cars. We were barely speaking because I was uncovering new financial deceptions every day. And, and that week I had found out that he had used his younger brother's credit, who was a college student, and used $100,000 on his credit. And so every... I was constantly finding out all of these things that were just to this day, $100,000. I can't even grasp how you, how you run up someone's credit on that. So we went to this appointment and he was apologizing in the appointment. And it was that nervous manic energy and his knee was just, his whole leg was shaking. And the therapist said to him, I hear you saying you're sorry, but I don't really believe that you're sorry. The words feel empty. And that's when he said, I think we need to do a psyche eval. So we drove away separately from that session and he called me afterwards and he said, I just called the, the psychologist and let him know that our marriage is over. You've obviously manipulated yet another person and um, we're done. And I, I, you know, so technically he called it off. I felt so much relief. I had just previously said to my dad in a phone call, you know, I'm so worried about leaving because I can't imagine the girls being alone with him. He's never changed a diaper, He's, but I know he's going to come and, and try to use them to hurt me. Um, but I'm willing to stick this out until they're 18 just to protect them. And I can play, you know, he travels for work. I can play this game to protect my daughters if I have to, I'll sacrifice that. But when he said it's over, biggest relief I've probably ever felt in my life. And, but he still believed he had such control over me that the next six months, were actually okay. We had our nesting agreement. He got to come and go. He was dating. Um, he had moved out four hours away. He'd come home on the weekends and he still felt that he had, you know, the best of both worlds, complete freedom, but he could still monitor what was happening in my life. 
It was about six months into it when I started getting a new job. I, you know, started moving on in my life and starting a new chapter that all everything went to hell. And that's when he gutted the house. And I will tell you a story that that weekend that he took everything, including pictures of my daughters, um, which I've never got all of them back. And um, that's probably one of the most painful things for me. But um, we had a nanny at the time who was at the house while he was taking everything. And she actually called me down in Orange County to warn me of what was happening. She said, there's moving trucks here. Um, He's threatened me. He tried to make me sign a non-disclosure agreement about what's happening. But she was in tears when she called. She said, he's in your bedroom. He has replaced all of your furniture with toddler furniture from Ikea. He has decorated it all the way down to weird pink boas and created collages of you when you were a child um, under glass on a dresser. She said, I went into the room when he was doing all of this and I am so concerned for your daughters and his mental health. He's in this manic stage walking around with like pink um, fuzzy comforters on a toddler bed. And that's when I knew things were really, I, that's, I ended up in the women's shelter a couple weeks after that. See, to me, that takes a lot of planning. Yeah. And that to me is more of a psychopath quality. Yeah. No, I, I think that First, I, I mean, when I wrote my book and titled it Divorcing a Narcissist, I think it was before I truly had a grasp on how sick he was and really started to understand these dynamics. Um, if I could go back and change the title, um, I think I was being way too, way too nice by calling him a narcissist. Yeah. Sure. Well, I'm like, yeah, no, I think that's really nice oh, uh, calling him a narcissist, but you know... <laughs> Well, and, and that's interesting that you touched on that because, so I started my blog, One Mom's Battle, about two years into my custody battle because for me, it was trying to make sense of it. Like, I almost had to write it to understand what was happening and to reflect on it and go, that really happened. It was like capturing it, proof that this is happening because it was so crazy. But um, he was going around telling people that I had a blog about him. So he's going out on dates with women. And then when their relationships would go south, they would come to me for help. And so I'm like, (laughs) when is he going to stop telling people how to contact me? Because I'm getting people going, like, how do I file a restraining order? And so I'm writing declarations for all these poor new victims. And so there's a whole club of us. That uh, is not formal, no membership fees required, but uh, (laughs) there's a lot of us out there. You know, so much of what I do now is when I was going through this, it's so isolating and people don't get it. And and even my, you know, my dad is so well-meaning, but I remember calling him after a court date of about two years into it. And he said, you march back into that courtroom and you tell that judge you are not putting those little girls in his car next week. And I'm like, it doesn't really work that way, dad, (laughs) you know? So um, I just stopped talking to everybody. And, you know, and so 
Even those who were so well-meaning and wanted to help, they just couldn't understand it. And then you've got the other people who are kind of on the outside circle and they're looking at you going, but there has to be more to the story. This doesn't add up because you've got a broken court system and then this guy who's you know, decorating my bedroom in three-year-old's pink boas, you know, so they're, they're kind of going, but there has to be more. There's not, you know, this is truly, I'm in a living hell. And so, um, you know, starting this blog and, and the resources that I've developed over the years were all of the things I wish I would have had back then, the support, the, um, you know, the different support groups. We have chapters all over the world. We have, you know, a California chapter, a, a you know, UK chapter, and, and just really bringing people together who are going through the same thing. And so coaching the books, the online courses that I do, it's all designed to keep people from, you know, feeling alone in this and helping them to understand that, this is not a system that prioritizes child safety or child's basic human rights. It's a system that prioritizes parental rights and puts children in danger. And so helping them to see things from the lens of strategy, because our court system looks at these things as case numbers and business transactions. They're not seeing human lives. And yeah. can I ask you one question? Was it true that you helped Christy Brinkley with her situation or she was just there to promote you? So um, Christy and I, she's really the reason why I have my platform today. Um, she went on the Today Show and in hindsight, the fact that Matt Lauer was um, bullying her in this interview <laughs> weirdest thing. I never watch TV. Never. I just happened to have the TV on that day. And the Today Show is on in the background and I'm working and I'm hearing this interview. I don't really know who Christy is. My dad loves her. (laughs) But, (laughs) you know, I didn't really know who she was, but I'm listening to this interview and he's just completely, she's to the point where she's crying. And he says, why can't you two just put your differences aside and do what's best for the kids? And she said, Google the term divorcing a narcissist. It will help you understand what I'm going through. I kind of went, what the hell did she just say? Because on my blog, it was One Mom's Battle Divorcing a Narcissist. My little blog that day went from 40 views a month, which 35 of them were me, to 40,000 overnight. And um, then she reached out through her assistant uh, a week later and invited me to LA to meet with her and connect. And she's been a huge supporter of everything I've done, wrote, um, an endorsement for my book and has been, um, she's been through a lot as well. So yeah, you know, I help everyone from, I have a lot of celebrity clientele to moms who are in, you know, shelters and desperate to protect their kids. So it is a very wide range and it's, it's humbling to be in a position to help. I love that. I just, watched an interview where that was mentioned and so I thought that that was really cool and I've been watching a lot of Vegas vacations lately and she's always the girl in the car (laughs) (laughs) she's a you know 
an incredibly authentic, truly kind person. I am, um, yeah, I am grateful to her for putting this on the map because truly 2008, 2009, when I started, you could not find a single thing out there on this topic. And, you know, her using her platform, even though it really hurt her from a PR standpoint, because, you know, they it's so easy to lump celebrities into, you know, problematic, high maintenance, whatever. She yeah. is, um, you know, she really did so much for this movement in terms of, um, giving it a name and helping people to understand. I mean, that day when she said, Google the term divorcing a narcissist, I mean, the next morning I got an email from a lady in Ireland who said, I almost took my life um, yesterday. And then I saw the interview and I realized that there are others out there um, who are, I'm not alone, that this is actually, there is a label for this. And, um, and so just bringing survivors together, there's power in that. Absolutely. There's a lots of power in collaboration. And I just love that you got that message because when I decided to maybe stop speaking about my trauma, stop speaking about what I went through, I feel that those messages help build you and help you move forward in speaking where I got a message that was like, I heard you speak, watching you talk about what you did to save your life, help save my life. I fought and I fought and I got out of this attack. And I was like, that's incredible. So those stories, those messages is why we share our stories and what makes narcissism, toxic relationship, sociopaths, psychopaths, what makes us be able to build and bond together as a whole. So much power in that and healing, you know, just to, to come. I mean, when I was reading about each of your stories um, over the past week, it's just like, I feel honored to um, have this important conversation and for the work you're doing to put this on the map and to give survivors a voice. Thank you. Well, thank you. Yeah. And- <laughs> uh, Tara, you want to ask her how we can find her? Yes. How can we find you on social media? How can we find your book? I know I'm listening to it right now on Audible. Uh, OneMomsBattle.com and... Same handle for Instagram, Facebook. I am on all the platforms, Twitter, LinkedIn. Um, you can find me everywhere. Uh, Tina Swithin. I always tell people my last name's confusing, but it's really just the word within with an S before it. <laughs> so it's not as complicated as it looks. Um, but yeah, One Mom's Battle is the easiest way. And my main book, uh, Divorcing a Narcissist, One Mom's Battle is on Amazon. It's um, Barnes and Noble. So you can find it there. Thank you. And we will have all the links to Tina's uh, social media and her book, Divorcing a Narcissist, in links to the show notes of today's episode. Tina Swithin, thank you so much for being a part of our program today. Um, what a story. I'm still sort of on the brother-in-law in my head because that's just that's just staggering to me. But um, thank you so much for, for having the courage to share your story 
and to uh, shine some light on this for those in the world that are struggling through this. You know, I often say to Tara, you know, uh, we're all part of a club, right? <laughs> we're all part of this squad that nobody really wants to be a part of, but we're all a part of the Survivor Squad. Thank you. That's a narcissist, right? Oh, yeah. I, well, I think he's more of a sociopath, to be honest. And so does she. And she even said it, that she thought that she should have wrote the book, you know, Divorcing a Sociopath now. Well, we will have links to all of Tina's social media handles, the link to her book and everything where you can contact her, where you can find her at, where you can support her story in the show notes of today's episode. On that note, survivors, I'm Tara Newell. And I'm Collier Landry. And this is the Survivor Squad podcast. We'll see you guys. Bye. The Survivor Squad podcast is made possible by support from listeners just like you. Please subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And please consider supporting this program by visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Survivor Squad.